What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Critics Corner Podcast. I'm William Locke, and joining me for this trade deadline recap edition is Luis Barranco. Luis, how you feeling after after the dust has settled here on Wednesday night? You know, I'm kind of confused as we have a Taylor Swift podcast and I didn't get the invite. Mm-hmm. What is this? I feel like uh, we have Lizzo working conditions out here, you know? <laughs> well... <laughs> you know, come on, man. You know. We had Joe and Kayla, who are obviously Taylor Swift diehard fans, and then me. So that's already three people. And if you add a fourth, we know Armand wouldn't when it would not have been able to join again for the second time for the second edition of that podcast. And then, yeah, if we added you, it would have been four. But that's an awkward amount. You know, that's a lot of people to, to do to do a podcast. I feel like it would have gone gone too long because we already did like you know an hour and a half. And if we had you, I mean, it could have been an hour, 45, two hours. So, so you didn't want the other people to do Taylor Swift working conditions, except for me, like Lizzo working conditions, because you got me every week here, every, for an hour, every week. You know, this is, this is the problem. But, you know. Uh, well, I I value your baseball expertise. Are you are you making a, a complaint to HR here or something? Is this, is this what it sounds like? Bro, there is no HR. You are HR. <laughs> well, we are HR. We're HR. It's a it's a joint venture here. Armand is uh, unfortunately no longer associated at this point, even though his name's in the in the graphic or our, our logo. But uh... hey, man, who even who even knows? Some days I feel like he's he's on a different planet, you know, different you know time zone, different you know country. You know, I feel he's out like in Siberia sometimes. You know, you know the vibes. Well, he's always he's always really busy. You know, he. he, he you got to understand that. Well, we, we understand that. But how have you been? Talk to me. Uh, I know, um, I don't know if listeners kept up, but I saw you were at the Cubs uh, Reds game last night. Um, uh, at the beatdown, the Cody Bellinger uh, Jumbotron game. Yeah, uh, 20 to 6, Cubs beat the Reds on deadline day. They tied the franchise record for home runs in a game with seven. So, I mean, I thought the Reds just looked out of, out of, their elements in that game. I think it was just an off game for them. You know, they obviously are very young and you mentioned they're playing their B team, which they were, you know, they had Sinzel out in left field. They were playing Fairchild, no Benson. Um, so, you know, they no Votto. They made a lot of errors lively. I mean, they let, I don't understand why David Bell let, let lively out there, kept him out there for 13 earned runs. I mean, that can demoralize a pitcher. Did you, did you see the news today? No. Lively's on the IL for a right pectoral strain. So he, so not only did he leave him out there for thirteen innings, pit, uh, thirteen earned runs, he left him out there with a pectoral injury, basically. But, no, but but here's here's the thing, and we're not going to get too deep on the Reds because I kind of feel like we always talk about 10, 15 minutes of Reds talk every pod. But the thing is, is like if you're the manager, you have two things: you you have a four game set, you either one gas out the bullpen for the next three days. For the next two days, for the next two days, and you're and you're kind of screwed yourself, or you just keep this guy out there and just be like, screw it, just just give in. And I kind of felt like the game just got out of hand really fast. And you know, the Reds at this point have a varsity team and a JV team, and the JV team was out last night. Um, I'm not going to go too much into detail, but Tyler Stevenson is abysmal as a catcher. Yeah, been saying this, been been saying that he is not a catcher for the longest time. And I think last night, with you actually seeing him beat play catcher last night, showed. And um, yeah, you know, there's guys like Kevin Newman 
who I understand he's a good journeyman, utility guy, but he is in no shape or form supposed to be an MLB starter right now. So case in point, I know injuries are piling up for the Reds, but I mean, there were moves that were made and, you know. I mean, you want to talk about, since we're on the topic of the Reds, do you want to talk about what they did slash didn't do at the deadline or do you want to start elsewhere? We'll start elsewhere. We're just talking about the trade deadline in general. But the last thing I'll say, you know, trade deadline is a, and this is a good segue. Trade deadlines are very big, um, very big component of what goes on in the league. I mean, a lot of teams decide to sell. A lot of teams decide to buy. It opens up roster spaces for a lot of MLB call ups, and so, you know, I kind of think that you know, we 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 see a lot. You know, the Reds right now with the amount amount of call ups that they have, they have two teams essentially. And, you know, a lot of MLB teams don't have that luxury that they're that deep in the sense of quality. It might not be top tier quality, but it's still quality that, you know, I think you would enjoy having a Will Benson playing left field out there in Yankee Stadium rather than uh, whoever they have there tonight. Yeah. Billy McKinney slash Jake Bowers, basically. And Willie Calhoun was just DFA'd. So he, he elected free agency over uh, over playing for the minor league team so yeah let's let's just talk about the deadline i mean oh there's a lot of moves and i kind of think and this is going to be a little monologue for me but you know the trade deadline is one of the critical points of the mlb season um you see teams like i remember two years ago when the nationals won the world series uh i was a big fan of their moves and i said i think the nationals can actually win this they actually got a lot of relievers the braves always make moves Talk about the year that they had Adam Duvall and Jorge Soler. The trade deadline always provides a trade that provides a difference maker in the playoffs in the postseason. It's, it's maybe the big move or it may be a small move that goes under the radar. So at the end of the day, every trade deadline, every trade matters in the sense that you never know what trade will impact the future of your franchise for that year or the future of your franchise years down the road. As an example, the Reds and the Mariners, where the Mariners pretty much gave up their whole farm system for uh, Luis Castillo, which and they also traded Tyler Malley to the Minnesota Twins, which Christian Encarnacion Strand, and they got Will Benson as a part of, of another trade, but using those trade pieces. So that's why we today will break down every single move, not every single move, but we will break down most of the moves on this pod give a quick take reaction to them. And, you know, I know you have a lot of takes regarding this deadline, a lot of buyers, a lot of sellers. I mean, this is a unique year where, you know, there's expanded playoffs. So not a lot of teams were willing to sell because every team's still kind of in it in some way. There was more buyers and sellers, which kind of made the market a more difficult buyer's market. And so this kind of, opens itself up to talking about what team should have sold and what team should have bought, bought and what move do you think will play dividends down the line this year or for the future? So take it away. Great intro. I love that. That was, that was great. I think, yeah, this year's trade deadline, like you said, was very interesting because there were so many buyers because of these expanded playoffs. And we're seeing this across all sports. You know, the NBA has the plan now and the NFL has expanded their playoffs as well. And, 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 and as has MLB. So more and more teams think, you know, around the trade deadline that they have a chance of, you know, sneaking into the back half of the playoffs and making a run like the Phillies did last season. So 
that leads to a severe lack of sellers. I also think the hitting market this year was was pretty sparse. I mean, I would say the best hitter that got traded was probably Heimer Candelario going back to the Cubs. Um, Most of the moves that we saw were for pitchers. Now, I think a lot of that has to do with A, the extremely weak free agent class that we have next offseason. Obviously, you know, Otani is is the headliner, but outside of that, your best hitter is like Matt Chapman, who's, you know, fine. The Blue Jays are in the playoff hunt, though, so he wasn't he was never going to get moved. And then also B, hitting is harder than it's ever been ever. You know, the league average league batting average across, you know, league wide is like 248 in that range. So there's just less good hitters at this point uh, in like, you know, in, in this era of baseball. So I think that's part of the reason we saw, you know, a lot more arms get moved at the deadline versus, versus bats. Um, and I, I guess we, we, we should start with, you know, the two biggest arms and the two biggest uh, trades that happened. Can, this, can, I, can this, I just say something? Yes. I'm grinding my gears. You said Heimer Condelario was the best hitter on the market. I completely disagree. I think it was CJ Crown and Randall Gritchick. Of course you do. I mean, you always you will go to the grave with CJ Crone and Grant, Randall Gritchick. So with that logic, you think the no. Angels will make the playoffs? No. Well, I mean, we'll talk about that later. But you know, you, you guys have to understand. That. There's I I have some defense leagues. You guys can join the the Clark Schmidt defense league. I am the starter of the Clark Schmidt defense league. Fair like, enough. Fair enough. Well, you know we're not. We're not taking any more stock buyers right now in the Clark Schmidt Defense League. Um, <laughs> way on the CJ Crone Defense League. You can still buy stock, but it may be too soon. Just wait, I think. But we'll talk about him later. And, you know, Clark Schmidt's going to get ample opportunity now that Herman's on the or out for the season going into rehab for alcohol abuse. So, can I, can, can I just say something about that? Sure. Um, I do not want to speak about the New York Yankees for the rest of the season. They are dead to me after what they did yesterday. I will not waste my time thinking about what Mr. Brian Cashman is doing. Literally, I was up at night, and my even my dad, who watches the sparsest amount of baseball, is like, why didn't the Yankees do anything? What, and what logic made them, oh, let's get another reliever? That's okay, like so- the flex seal commercial. So that, that's all I'll say. And I'm done talking about them for the rest of the season. Like, I, I, they're dead to me. Like, lower them into the grave at this point. Yeah. I mean, like it's hard to argue that uh, I guess we can just start with the Yankees and then move to the other team in New York, the Mets. Um, but do you, agree? Yankees, are you, do you agree? Are you dead with the Yankees? Are you down to lower them into the grave right now? Like, are we? For, yeah. For this season? Yes. And honestly for next season and the seasons to come, it's, it's good. It's very hard to see this team doing anything. The Yankees are worried. I'll give them the, you know, the benefit of the doubt ish in the sense that it, they were in a very difficult situation at the deadline where you're three, get three and a half games back in the wild card. You're 11 games back in the division. So you're not a good team. You have no good players. There's no one on the Yankees outside of Garrett Cole that and Aaron judge that is having a good season. You could say the bullpen guys. Yes, but apparently they didn't want to part with the bullpen guys because they're asking prices way too high. So it's like, okay, you can go out and buy, but who do you have that that teams want? And then also you could try to sell, but you're not going to get what you want in return for those guys. I, I find that I find that I find that so hard to believe because how the market was, it was a total seller's market. We're seeing like 
top 10, like a lot of guys, a lot of prospects I personally have watched and love got traded. And I was like, wow, like you got that for that. That's pretty nutty. And there's other things like Randall Gritchick and freaking CJ Crone went for pennies on the dollars. You're telling me you would not love to have Randall Gritchick at left field and CJ Crone as your DH. And, and there was a great article in the athletic earlier in the week that basically said, sure. The Yankees can make trades at the deadline, but those trades, like no trade can save the Yankee season because at the end of the day, you're still going to be relying. You're still going to be relying on Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony Rizzo, DJ LeMahieu, and Glaber Torres to be like the brunt of your lineup around Aaron Judge. Sure, you could throw Randall Gritchick in there, but that's that's just you know that's that's not going to help you that much. You know he's not going to solve all of the Yankees' issues. We're the problem with the Yankees, and we we've been saying this for years, is their core. They're relying on aging players that were good five years ago before the Yankees acquired them. The Yankees acquired players that were good. The, the Yankees bought past uh, past success, right? They didn't buy. They didn't buy based on projected success. They they bought on what you did. They they bought players based on the back of their basket. They bought DJ LeMahieu based off a batting title in Colorado, and it worked out pretty great. It worked out it, great for two seasons. You got John Carlos Stanton. Sure, he's been good in the playoffs, but at this point, these guys are all aging, and they just might not be good baseball players anymore. They might be at, at the stage of their careers where they they just aren't good anymore, and they're they're regressing to, and they're going to fizzle out, and then their career is going to be over, and they're going to retire, and and they're they're caught up on the they're 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 hung up on these guys on on massive deals that they can't get out of because what team is going to want to pay Giancarlo Stanton's contract? I'm sorry. There's not one team in, in major league baseball that wants to pay that contract besides New York. There'll be, right now. There'll, there'll, be a, there'll be a team that will pay for it. There, if somebody guarantee you, no, I, 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 I will, I will, I will put up, I'll like put a bet on it that if Giancarlo, I'll put drinks in labor, like next after the, well, we can't say labor day because we don't know what's going to happen, but uh, I, I would put drinks on the line between us three, between Armand and you that some team would take like an LA team or San Francisco or like an Angels team would take that Giancarlo deal. But what you're spending thirty million dollars a year on a guy that's hitting one ninety and has like you're gonna, you're, you're gonna have to eat the deal a little bit, but I just feel like I just feel that there will be some team. If somebody would eat Gallo, somebody would eat Giancarlo. Yeah, I, I don't think I think Rizzo might just have to retire at this point. If you if you look at Rizzo's numbers over the last versus Joey Gallo's worst ever stretch with the Yankees. Rizzo has been statistically worse than Joey Gallo. The last thing I'll say about this, because I'm just, like I said, I'm done talking about this team is that at least go for it, fall on your sword. And I'll talk about that later. And another issue is their farm system sucks. Their farm system is bottom 10 in the league. It is. but and the only reason that that's, they have that's subjective, highly- that's so subjective. The Yankees' top end talent is better than probably 25 to 20, 20 teams. It's, there's just no death. It's just the, like the red system. Yeah, it, it it was like top ten and it was deep. There's just some teams that just have deeper systems, but the, they don't have that top end talent. the The only reason that those top end Yankee prospects are rated so highly is because they get overhyped because they play for the Yankees. Think of all the, think of all the prospect busts that the Yankees have put out. They just haven't been put in position to succeed. Wolpe hasn't been put in a position to succeed this season. Why? He's playing shortstop every single day. What else do you want? Playing shortstop every single day, asking him to produce at such a high level 
fans need to temper their expectations. He's a freaking rookie. And it's just like, who does he have there to, to mentor as a shortstop? IKF? Really? IKF? So this, is, this is all organizational mispractice. That's what I'm saying. Or, organizational malpractice. And, and like and, I said, I'm, th- th- thank you, Yankee fans, for screaming that fire Chapman. But like I said, I've lowered this team, and I'm done talking about them for the rest of the season. All right. I mean, fair enough. And yeah, I don't think this no this team's not going anywhere. We'll talk and about it's it. Not, it's not. I don't see the path to it being good anytime soon. We'll talk about it. That's a perfect segue. Talk about the Mets. What do you think about the Mets? I know you have very strong opinions. You were texting me offline, off air, and you were. We had differing opinions, and I didn't get too deep into my thought process, but. I thought about it a lot yesterday at the gym, and I was like, man, this is going to be a hot one right here. Go for it. I mean, yes, they had a great deadline for what they did. First off, first off, before before you get into it, sorry, uh, let me just recap. The Mets did decide to trade Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Verlander was traded for uh, the top, in my opinion, the top prospect in um, in Houston's system, Drew Gilbert, uh, Drew Gilbert, and I even texted – you the night before saying, Oh, Drew Gilbert, you are a New York Met. And then they got the other outfielder. I forgot his name. Ryan Clifford. Ryan Clifford. Then they also traded Max Scherzer to the Rangers for uh for Luis Angel Acuna, which is Ronald Acuna's uh, I think brother or cousin. I can't middle remember. Middle brother, I believe. Yeah, middle brother. They also did trade Mark Canna to the Brewers, typical Brewers move, which we'll talk about later. He was traded for, I think it was Justin Jarvis, I believe. I don't have it up. I can't find. Yeah, it. Justin Jarvis, right-handed pitcher, that's in Double A at the moment. I believe he's. Let me. I mean, I can pull, pull up. He's in. He's, he's in Double A. He was traded, and then Tommy Pham was traded out to the desert. So we're gonna have a lot of Pham versus Peterson matchups out there in the West. I think we have late night boxing set up. You know, like late night fight night. It's gonna be good out there. But um, let me, yeah, let me, go ahead. Let me just make sure we're we've. Got all the the Mets moves. Oh, they also yeah, we forgot they also. Oh, David uh, Robinson got traded to the Marlins. Which, they traded, which we I mean we can talk about the Marlins, but well, we, we, we have to talk about the Mets first because well, I think the we Mets get to the Marlins. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. Did they trade anybody else? No, they traded uh, reliever Dominic Leone. Got Jeremiah Jackson from the Angels, an infielder. Uh, they traded Eduardo Escobar and some cash to the Angels. That was months. That was months ago. That was a while ago. Um, yes, yeah, Bam, Canna, Robertson, Scherzer, and Verlander. So okay, yes, the the Mets they did what they had to do this season, and they admitted that they had they their approach over the offseason was abysmal, and. You know, they admitted they, that they they fucked up. Basically, excuse my language. The the I love the returns that they have gotten. Of course, it's prospects, so you're n- none of these players are are guaranteed to be good. But what they did is now they have a robust, deep farm system with top end talent like Drew Gilbert, Francisco Alvarez, who's been in the the big leagues most of the season. Brett Beatty has been in the big leagues most of the season as rookies this year. Those three guys are are very quality. Um, Prospects. They also have um, what's their other prospect's name? The the infielder down in the minors that uh, Mark Vientos. Mark Vientos. And, and, the no, they ha- they have uh, Ronnie Mauricio as well, the shortstop. Oh, the who's shortstop. In- so they have a loaded farm system at this point now. 
But again, how many of those will pan out? Low percentage, you would think. The, the thing that I don't like about the moves, is specifically the Scherzer and Verlander, is just how much money that that's owed to, to those two guys. So the Mets are going to pay $35 million out of the $58 million remaining on Verlander's deal in 23 and 24, and then $17.5 of his 2025 vesting option if it ends up vesting. He has to pitch 140 innings in 2024 to get that 25, uh, the 2025 option. So that's a ton of money that got tied up in Verlander. Max Scherzer, um, they will owe him more than $35 million of his remaining terms. He opted into his $22.5 million player option next year. So they're they're tied up still. And I know Cohen says he doesn't care about money, but that's a lot of money to be paying players that aren't on your team. So, and I don't know if you believe the story that came out about Billy Epler basically telling the, the Mets GM, basically telling Scherzer that, their, their plan has changed. They're not going to be good next year. They're not going to be contending for a World Series next season. And that's basically how he convinced Scherzer to um, waive that no trade clause and get traded to Texas. I feel like Epler might have just told Scherzer that because they're trying to get him off the roster. They're trying to get a return. They don't want to um, have him on the books for, I mean, you know, he's still on the books, but you, you, you get what I mean. I don't necessarily know if that was true, but that was the story that came out. Um, so overall, like, yes, they, they cut bait on a lot of the guys that, um, came there recently ring chasing basically, and got basically revamped the farm system. So makes sense. I just, I, I still question the last off season and all the money that they spent to give up on it in six months. And now you're still owed. Those guys are still owed a ton of money, uh, to, to not play on your team. All right, so here's where I come in. Why? Why? I think the moral of this is that Steve Cohen realized in six months. I'm like, how many people? How many GMs, executives, and owners are going to guys that have humongous egos are going to admit that in six months this is a failed project? You see guys that get years in the majors, years projects that they don't like, give up on them because of the amount of money that's invested into them. Look at Javi Baez. Why haven't the Detroit Tigers given up on the Javi Baez project? It's a great point. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's just like how many GMs and owners are willing to to admit that we fucked up? Hey, let's just start over. I think yeah, fans aren't going to like it, but you've spent around 300 million on a team that doesn't work, and it's just like you look at the grand scheme of things, you can't fix the team. There's like it's not like you add two or three, one or two guys because three is too much. One or two guys, and boom, you're bad. You don't know if Verlander's going to be back next season, like his form. You don't know if Max is going to be Max again. So it's just like, why don't you just cut bait, get your return, start over, and start building towards the future. I personally enjoy all the moves. Um, They were very quiet about it, which I think kind of helped them in a way, being very quiet about it, because it wasn't until like midweek last week where we heard, oh, the Mets might be moving on to Verlander and Scherzer. And boom, like Max got traded on Saturday. And we first heard about it midweek last week. So it's kind of like there was something already there. So, you know, they held their leverage. And I think it kind of helped that Verlander had a really good relationship with Jim Crane. Oh, of course. No, it's kind of like, I kind of feel like Houston over, over like, they, no, well, yeah, Houston gave up too many prospects. 
But I mean, at the end of the day, and I revert back to the conversation you, me, and your dad had about the Cubs. It's like, do you give a fuck if you win a World Series? If you gave up Gliber Torres for a World of Chapman for six months of a World of Chapman? No. You don't care because it's a World Series. And like, that's the World Series is forever. You're forever in the record books. You're forever on that team. That's something, you know, you're not, oh, you gave up Gliber Torres? Oh, cool. Yeah, Gliber's a good MLB player. But at the end of the day, you, you won a World Series. So at the end of the day, if the Houston went, goes out and wins a World Series, do Houston fans care what? Drew Gilbert and Clifford come out to be no because they have a World Series and they have two at this point one with an asterisk but maybe that yeah, but that's makes it a little bit different and, and I think also I also with the Astros is they have so much young talent in that rotation already that if Verlander kind of flops after this season they'll they'll be fine I just think they're just fine because it's just like if fifty percent of Verlander is better than like a good. 78% of the major leagues, you know, and it's kind of like Houston does have that system, but like, I I'm super content with the Mets did. I think a lot of people should, should applaud of what the Mets they did. They redid their whole farm system. Yeah. They may not have first round draft picks as you said yesterday, but um, at the end of the day, I mean, that's what you have a scouting department for and a development system. And I think if Cohen's willing to make that huge of investment into player, into the player retention and acquisition, I would imagine that he would put, a huge amount of money into player development and and player uh, international scouting, and that's more important in my opinion than splashing money at free agents, especially especially this coming off season because there's not many outside of Otani, which I don't think the Mets are gonna gonna go out and get Otani. Well, they do have they do have the connection. The I think it was up where that worked for the it was one of the key components out of the Angels, but like I said. The biggest thing about most of these MLB teams and like from roster construction standpoint, the most important thing is you have to have a solid foundation. You have to have some sort of foundation of what to do of like, you know, what are you building on? You use free agency and trades as tools to put in the sprinkles. It's like you have to have the good base of the sandwich. You got to have the good bread, you know. Your agency is all about the fixings, about the lettuce, tomato, and the sauce that you put on. But you gotta got the, the main components gotta be there. The bread and the meats or the vegetables if you're a vegan. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. You, you 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 I outside of rare cases where you can go out and get an Otani or a judge in free agency, you want to use free agency, like you said, to fill in the holes in your roster that are are needed to go out and win a championship, in my opinion. Or if you're a really bad team. First of all, if you don't have a good farm system, you're you're screwed. But you need to start with that player to, player dev, build up a good farm system, and if you want to go out and get a a, a long term piece in free agency early on in your re- rebuild, you can go ahead and do that. Obviously, you have to have player. You have to have player Vel to sell the project. You have to have a vision, and you have to be able to sell the project, which like the, like yeah. the Royals can't do. Like if I'm a free agent and the Royals hit me up, I'll give you a hundred bags over five years and you'll be the star of our rebuild. I'll be looking at like, what is your vision? Like, what is your like? And this is the issue that the Yankees have. Um, Their player development system is just not that great. And, you know, think of who has, have the Yankees brought up in their, in their farm system outside of Aaron judge over the last, 20 years you know so if you're free i think new york is becoming less and less uh intriguing from a free agent 
perspective for a number of reasons that we don't have to get into in, in this podcast. But I agree. I think that what the Mets did makes a lot of sense. And I, I, tip, my cap, I tip my cap for them admitting fault. The, and, and the last thing I'll say about this is I'll, I'll put hats like, you know, if you're a New York team, it's not going to be hard to recruit free agents. So Cohen knows that once you have a foundation, like you build a foundation, it's not going to be hard convincing people to come live in New York. Well, I think it might be more and more difficult for the Yankees to recruit free agencies for free agent free agent because it's hard to see the vision right now. It's hard to see the path forward to success. Whereas I think the Mets are doing the right thing in building a good foundation where maybe not this offseason, but for the 2025 offseason, that this offseason heading into the 2025 season, you might be able to go out and get a big name top it's free agent that's actually going to help you win games, unlike the two aging free uh free agent pitchers that they well, one free agent aging free agent pitcher that they signed this offseason. It just it just depends, honestly. Honestly, it just depends what you know what you're looking for. I don't think the Yankees project will ever be. I don't think if if you're a real baseball like baseball head or a baseball player, I don't think you'll be ever turned off by the Yankees unless you just have personal preference that you don't want to live in New York and you don't want to deal with the media. I just kind of feel like that's always going to be there. They're always going to be able to sell that point. I understand, yeah, that's history, but it's just like you're always going to pick up the phone to see what's up. Of course, of course, but I mean, again, then you you don't know uh, the Yankees spending limits at this point. They got a lot of money tied up in all guys that they don't want to be spending money on. So, can we also talk about that too? About with the Mets, and this is kind of like looking forward to the off season. Like, if you're really selling, like, if you're really tearing down, the only real guy that's really safe is uh is Polar Pete, which they'll probably pay Polar Pete. He'll probably be the face of the of the next gen Mets he'll be like the David Wright but what's gonna happen with Lindor I mean Lindor stinks man I'm sorry I know but least... what are you gonna do but from a Mets experience it's like bro are you gonna sit on that money or do you, do you find somebody like shit maybe go sell them off to San Francisco maybe hopefully they'll bite or something that's deprived of a star and also I mean apparently Pete Alonzo was on the trading block they were you know taking calls on him at the due diligence due diligence let's just call it due diligence because any good gm will take calls on any player you don't say no you know unless you're a competing team like if you're a rebuilding team you always have to be open to listen yeah i'm just saying the lindor thing man that's something like yeah 12-year contract man man if i'm new york this offseason I quietly shop him. Hopefully, maybe a team deprived of a star, maybe a Seattle, who knows, a Miami. You know, you you get a couple arms back from Miami. They got that next Meyer dude, maybe Noble Meyer and uh, Edward Cabrera, Sixto Sanchez, and you just call it a day. You eat a little bit of that money. I don't know, man. I think I, I think you're onto something there. I, I mean, Ronnie Mauricio could be the shortstop of the future in New York uh, with the Mets. That's what I'm saying. They, they I, especially considering they don't want to win next year, and you know Lindor's only getting older. Obviously, I, I don't see him as like this one of the centerpieces of their now like mini rebuild. Miami, pick up the phone. Miami, pick up the phone. And, and, and you know. Epler would be able to get a extreme haul back from from the Marlins. 
pick up the freaking phone. You know, talk about the the Rangers because you know they acquired Scherzer. I was I was gonna go differently with that. I was gonna go talk about Detroit. I wanted to talk about Detroit because it ties into my Lindor point. All right, I'll I'll hear your point here. So right now, why do I think Lindor would be a fit with the Marlins? Not only do the Marlins need a shortstop, they were listening for Tim Anderson. That never happened. But the thing what makes the Marlins and the Mets good trade partners is that the Marlins' timeline could be a year ahead, and they could be ready to compete next year. What do the Mar- what do and this is something you've noted? What's what do the Marlins have deep right now in their system? Young it's- arm, young arms. What does the Mets system not have right now? Young arms. So so that's why I'm saying that's like a match, and this kind of ties in with Detroit, which like Detroit for the longest time. They had Alex Lang, Jason Foley, Erod, and um, Michael Lorenzen as their big trade pieces available. And the biggest thing we saw, and it ties into what the Mets a little bit, is that the Lorenzen trade, they got the number five, uh, the number five prospect in the Philly system, a second baseman. Yep. They needed hitting. They needed hitting and they attacked hitters. So I'm really curious as to which hitters were they going to receive for the Edward Rodriguez trade? As you guys know, Edward Rodriguez was traded to the Dodgers, but the trade was vetoed due to his no trade clause. He decided to want to stay on the East Coast to pitch closer to his family. As you guys may have known, Erod is a very big family man. He did take time out of the season due to some family matters, which we will not touch in this podcast. And um, it's just very interesting as to like, what was Detroit looking for and what were, were they getting back? Because the starting pitching prices were astronomical. If you're getting Luis Engel Acuna back for just Max Scherzer and Verlander got Drew Gilbert and Clifford back, I can only imagine maybe like Andy Pages and Michael Bush back from the Dodgers if that I, was the trade. The thing is, I I don't think they would have gotten those two. Those are two top five Dodgers prospects, and they have an elite farm system. And, you know, uh, the Tigers are, quite frankly, not on that timeline. Like, my, Michael Bush is 25 years old. He's he's MLB ready. He, he He's hitting 317 in AAA this season in 71 games. Like, Michael Bush would be at a major league level on pretty much most – he would start over Zach McKinstry right now. Yes, most major league teams he would be starting, and I just don't think that fits the Tigers' timeline. They traded for a guy. I I, I want to say he's like twenty years old. He's he's much more in like that, like right before that Max Clark crop, right? He'll probably be up the year before him. So you know, maybe one of their younger hitters, um, and you know, who knows? Maybe they even wanted to to go out and get an arm, like a uh, maybe like a Ryan Pepio, um, or like a, a Nick Frasso, um to maybe fit the timeline a little bit better. Although those guys are a little bit older too. They were looking for like get a Dalton rushing. He's 22 years old. uh, So, and he's in rookie, like rookie ball right now. So that would have made more sense. I, 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 but I, I would, would have been very curious to see the return in that trade as well. Um, I like what the Tigers did at the deadline. You know, it wasn't like anything flashy. They ultimately ended up hanging on to a lot of guys um, like a, like a Foley um, and an Erod. Or sorry, fully laying in Erod. Um, Lorenzen, I I think if you had to pick one one of the guys out of all the guys that were on the block, you probably move would have chosen Lorenzen every time. And I thought they got a decent return for him. 
That's what I'm saying. It's just like, look at the return they got for Lorenzo. They got a top five guy for a rental. For a dude that's been a back-end reliever type of guy who's had a good year, and you know he's a ground ball pitcher who I think is going to be a great fit in Philadelphia. Um, it's just kind of like, I can only wonder what Detroit was asking for. Because I would have believed they would have gotten really good returns back for those relievers because the reliever market was dry too. The only really big reliever trades we saw was the Chapman trade. We also saw Sam Mall go to the, the Reds. And then other than that, I can't think Paul of Seawall. Paul Seawall got traded to the Diamondbacks. Which is, which is a shocker. We'll talk about that one later. And then Scott Barlow. But other than that, there was not that many big of a trades, you know? So it's just kind of like, I only wondered, like, the Tigers kind of pigeonholed them and who they could have traded with. Because all we heard of, of them was looking for teams that had good hitters coming up. So... And and the Tigers are, you know, a long ways away. They're five years away from being good. But I think under this new regime, this new general manager, I like the start in the early stages. That Max Clark pick is is starting to grow on me more. We were down on it on draft night, but the more I think about it, the more it kind of makes sense for that franchise. The one thing about that, the whole Tigers thing, is I kind of wish that they just tore everything down. The way that the market was, it was a seller's market. I kind of wish they just was like, screw it and just be bad for the next two years, which they're already going to be bad, but just be like, tear the whole strip it because they think they would have gotten really, really good return for these relievers. Because they the relievers, they weren't rentals. They had club control. Yeah. So I kind of like, you know, relief pitching is the last thing you build on a, on a team. And you, to be that's fair, like I, I, that's I, like the stuffing. It's not the turkey on Thanksgiving. The turkey on Thanksgiving is the pitching and the hitters. You know, the relievers are the stuffing and the gravy. Like, you know, that's not the first thing you look at on the on a Thanksgiving plate. Right. When you're like you always say this, when you're a bad team, it doesn't make sense to have a good relief, a good closer or like an elite bullpen. Those are the guys that have a lot of value to contenders at the trade deadline. So it makes sense to move them. You know, Alex Lang is a is a hometown guy. He was he came up in the Tiger system, so maybe that holds more value to them. And you know, he's still only like 20 he's young he's 27 so you know they theoretically he could play 10 more years for the tigers in, in relief um, so maybe he'll be on the team when they're good erod you know they tried to trade Erod. it was just he used his no trade clause so maybe they shouldn't have put that in the contract when they signed him in the first place that isn't that organizational isn't that organizational malpractice like i would think like if you're if you're, if you're detroit wouldn't you call erod and be like yo we're about to trade you here would you accept the trade here or no before actually agreeing to a trade and then finding out, oh yeah, we traded you here. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's it's also an Alavila signing that wasn't, you know, new regime signing. So I know, but it's not new regime, but it's just like, wouldn't you be as a new regime, wouldn't you call him and be like, yo, like why negotiate? It's like, oh, do all this work for nothing. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, he waived the no trade clause because he wants to stay on the East Coast. So what East Coast team would have wanted Erod? You know, the well, yeah, Baltimore. Maybe, maybe the asking price was too high. Then, I'm, you know, Baltimore seems that's, that that that's that's what I kind of feel like. Because then there's a good segue. I think Baltimore got a steal with Jack Flaherty. They got him pennies off the dollar. They didn't have to give up none of their big guys. I know he's a rental, but you know he's still quality. If he can, they can fix him. Like I feel like that's a really underrated move. It yeah, remains that, to be seen that, that if he can perform. It remains to be seen if he can perform perform the offseason. But I think if you can fix him. I think you can get him on a nice little buy low, two to three year contract, fix him up, and hey, he's he's a quality guy. He has good stuff. 
Yeah, you I thought to, you went to high school with Giolito and Max Fried. I'm like, that's good company. Yeah, that means he's automatically good, right? Also, you know, Joe Schmo working in accounting for Deloitte right now also played high school baseball with them too. So I don't really think <laughs> yeah. that matters. But, you know, Jack Flaherty, yeah. I, I the, the Orioles were, you know, obviously targeting starting pitching throughout the entire deadline and they ultimately land on on Jack Flaherty. And they also bought, uh, got in Fujinami from the A's in relief. We talked about that last week. But other other outside of that, they were they were really quiet. And I draw a lot of parallels between Baltimore and Cincinnati. And I feel like I've been doing that kind of all season long is they, they feel almost, you know, and I'd say the Orioles are probably a year ahead of Cincinnati in terms of rebuilding because they were good last year, but they just feel like they're a year ahead of schedule. No one predicted the Orioles to, to be in first place in the American league East on August 2nd or whatever it is. And it puts them in a tough situation at the deadline, the Orioles and the Reds, because they have so much young talent in their in their farm system that they obviously believe in. They can see being good and being you know key pieces of their future moving forward. And you don't want to part with that for rentals to contend in a season where you weren't expected to be contending anyways, right? So I think the Orioles and the Reds are both going to kind of just like ride the high of of the season and, and see what happens, knowing that they're going to be good anyways for the next five to ten years anyway because of all the good young prospects they have. And I, I do, and, and and moving for Flaherty makes so much sense because of the return. They only gave up Cesar Preto, Drew Rom, and Zach Showalter, three, you know, mid middle of the pack prospects for, for the Orioles. You know, they didn't probably any of their top guys. So and, they were and, able yeah. to like stealthily improve at the deadline without sacrificing the future the way a lot of these teams like the the rain uh, the Astros maybe did parting the with Rangers. their top prospect or the Rangers. I mean, the Rangers have a bright future regardless. They have so much young talent on their roster and they didn't give up some of their top, top guys um, to get Scherzer. So I, I think the Orioles were, I you could categorize them as like, uh, you know, hesitant or like half in buyers. Uh, the word, the right they were word. They were like the Reds. They were like the Reds. Yeah. I would just say that they're both, both of those teams are just very shrewd traders. We all forget that they traded Jorge Lopez last year for Yanir Cano. And how'd that work out for him, you know? It is looking really good. I'm just saying, I think both teams did really like small moves. I mean, they did the right thing, cautious buyers. And I mean, there'll be free agent destinations in the offseason, both teams. So I'm not like, I'm not like, I'm not going to say, oh, I love their deadline, but I'm not going to say, oh, that deadline was poor. I'm kind of just like neutral. Like, okay, I see what you're doing, but, you know, I'm not going to be like jumping up, you know, up and down, you know? We did hear that the Orioles were in at the end for Dylan Cease, but I can only imagine the price for Dylan Cease was just ridiculous and like it it just wouldn't have made sense i don't think to go out and get him now i mean the one thing about the orioles is they have sure they have a great farm but you worry about the pitching in that farm system kind of like um grayson rodriguez Rodriguez hasn't looked great dl hall is is just you know he hasn't panned out so there's some question marks around their their pitching staff still like you said, they can go out and get those guys in free agency um, to to fill the to fill the holes. Can we do some rapid fire? Because I feel like we we've been boring the listeners to death. Just talk about some teams quickly. I don't think um, we've been boring the listeners to death. I feel like we've had good conversation. We've talked about yeah, but we, we need some spice. I mean, we, it's getting monotonous. I mean, we haven't talked we haven't talked about the Rangers' perspective of the Scherzer trade and what they did this trade. Deadline. I honestly, I honestly, I think I'm like I didn't think they bought enough. I think their trades. 
were very concerning in my opinion. I think their cr- trades were very desperation. I've been saying on the podcast, the Rangers should have bought everything. Like the Rangers should have done a Padres. They should have bought everything because Houston is getting hot. And Houston is one of those teams you don't want to see get hot because they've been there. They know that. And now they have JV coming in. Yeah, now they have a Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, who just threw a no hitter last night, one two series. Outside of all the injuries that they've had to that rotation this year, they're going to bring those guys back next year. And and, oh my gosh, just think about that rotation next year. It's going to be even better than it already is. So, like, if if there was ever a season for the Rangers to like go out and win the division and do well in the playoffs, it was this year. And sure, they got Max Scherzer, but like Max Scherzer hasn't been good with the pitch clock. He's had a four ERA, zero point eight Fangraphs or his his K through nine is at ten, which is you know his career average is about a twelve. So his number, yeah, his numbers are down and. Um, they were, I mean, they just like, have, eh, was that the guy you want to go out and get? I don't know. I, I like they don't, but the, the Rangers don't have a number one at this point. If all they got hurt, he's out on the IL right now with a strain. I think it was a forearm strain. He's out, so they don't have a number one. I understand the trade, but then my biggest thing is they've been getting hurt at the wrong time. Seager's hurt. Yeah. Um, I think I think the trade with the Pirates is hella concerning. Uh, the Austin Hedges trade, mm-hmm. like you don't go out there and trade for a starting level catcher. If like, if you already have one, if you already have two, you don't go out and do that trade. I kind of think that means that the Jonah Himes tra- uh, injury, Jonah Himes injured with a wrist injury right now. He just went on the IL. I think that kind of means that they're kind of scared that he won't come back this year. And he was a very, very big piece of that offense. It's a it's a similar it's an injury trade. It's a similar trade to what the Blue Jays did getting Paul DeYoung. Now Paul, uh, sorry, now Bo Bichette did hit the IL, but. Uh, he's not going to be out for the season, apparently. So the news was good there, but they still went went out and got DeYoung as like an injury uh, safety net. That's what I'm just saying. I'm just like you didn't give a you, you went out Austin Hedges. It's like you don't carry like DeYoung is multi positional. Catchers only play catcher, and it's not like you know DeYoung has had he spurts. He's very inconsistent. He's like a Nick Young, yeah, with the bat. And so it's just like if he's hot, the dude's hitting. Homer after homer after homer. If he's not like dude's ice cold, probably send him down to AAA and he'll come back in three weeks and do the same thing and you repeat the the Jiong cycle. So, I mean, I just think it's very concerning that Texas didn't buy enough. I would have loved to see him buy another hitter into that lineup. Yeah, and, you know, they've been struggling the past month or so. They were tearing it up in May, June. They haven't been playing good ball. So, yeah, they should have gone out and gotten somebody. Um, they should have. They should have gotten a Dylan Carlson and put him on the outfield. Yeah, I mean they also they, they also got Jordan Montgomery, and Chris Stratton from the Cards. Uh, they got a role as Chapman earlier, like you know in June. But we thought that they should have. We thought they should have continued to to bolster that pen because that was a weakness for them. So I mean, I, I mean, I think Houston's going to win the division. I do. I, I after watching Houston play for the past two weeks, I'd go sprinkle the money on Houston right now if it's that good money. Yeah, I think they're like minus one twenty-five. I can look right now if you want. I mean, I mean, that's. I mean, I, I probably Houston's probably not favored because of the trade now, but uh, I mean, it's just gonna set up a good next two months of baseball between those two teams. I think they'll be back and forth, uh, and we'll see what happens. I mean, Jordan Montgomery was already hurt as it is, so I mean, his medicals must have been okay enough. But I'm like, their moves like, kind of, kind of, it kind of presents more, more uncertainty. Because now, like you have, if Avali comes back healthy, who start? Who's your three starters in the in the, in the postseason? 
Is it Montgomery, Scherzer, and Navaldi? So you're kicking out Heaney and Perez. So it's kind of like John Gray in there as well. Yeah, John Gray, but I mean, all of them have been inconsistent. So, I mean, yeah, it's and Houston's minus one thirty-five to win the division right now. By the way, on on DraftKings, so they're they're relatively big favorites. Yeah, I don't know. It was a like everyone the. The athletic Jim Bowden gave the Rangers deadline an A. I'd give it a like a solid B. They they went out and got two yeah. good arms, but again, I, I want to reiterate that Scherzer is not the guy that he he was. You know, two years. I would like to see. I would have liked to see him get an outfielder or an infield, like some type of bat. Because first base, you can't get another bat. Shortstop, you can't get a bat. Second base, you can't get a bat. Third base, you have John. I would have loved to see him get another outfielder. Maybe like and. Randall Gritchick. Hey, Randall Gritchick, man. Hey, Randall Randall Gritchick Defense League. We're starting that one up. We haven't talked about the Cubs. Let's do some rapid fire before we get to the Cubs. I feel feel like we're going to get lost with the Cubs. All right. Uh, Marlins. Let's do the Marlins. I feel like the Marlins will both agree this will be very quick. We don't know what the hell they're doing. We don't know what the hell Kim Ning's doing out here. We don't know what she's cooking. She's cooking some type of jollof rice with some plantains. Like, she's making it mixing, like, Baguettes with jollof rice and then some fried rice, like Jamaican, Chinese, and uh, and French. Like, I don't know what she's doing. She trades Garrett Cooper to San Diego, and Josh Bell comes in, who's been anemic for the for the Guardians, and you just booted Khalil Watson, given Khalil Watson's been a head case for the franchise. But, like, what are you doing? You're buying, you're selling. Like, it kind of doesn't make sense. So, yeah, basically they did a first-base swap. In two separate trades. They trade Garrett Cooper, who's been about a replacement level first baseman for them this year, and they bring in Josh Bell. But Josh Bell's been, like you said, anemic. He has a negative war. He's a negative 0.3 war. And Garrett Cooper's a 0.3 war. So statistically, Cooper's a better first baseman. And you give up a prospect for Bell, which I don't understand why you're downgrading at first base to to give up a prospect. Then, Then you make a move with the Mets. You give up two prospects, two, like, Two prospects that are in the top, one's in the top ten of the Mets farm, and now and and the others like in the top fifteen for David Robertson, a rental reliever. That doesn't make any sense to me. He's making didn't ten million dollars. Didn't they give up Dylan Floro as well? Like, didn't they trade Dylan Floro? They traded know? him. They traded him to the Twins for Jorge Lopez, another reliever. That makes no sense. They got another reliever, Ryan Weathers, from the Padres for Garrett Cooper and Sean Reynolds, and then they got Jake Berger from the White Sox for Jake Etter, another. He's like fourth in the in the White Sox farm. Now it's a weak farm, but he he slots in top five in in the Sox farm system for Jake Berger, who's you know having a career year. But it's like a buy, like it's it's a dream if you're the White Sox. Jake Berger's a below average player that's having a career season. All of a sudden, you get a top five prospect for a guy that's having a career year, and he'll probably stink for the rest of his career. And you, you know get him. It's me? like you what what, you, what what are they doing? Like I feel like if you're like they, they kind of got fleeced, and like the Marlins have been anemic. Since since uh, since the second half started, so I guess it makes sense to go out and like try to improve your team. If, if apparently they're trying to win this year, but they're trying to win this year, but also like, but also um, Yuri Perez is in AAA. So what are you doing? Like, which route are you going? I don't I don't get it. You know what it screams to me, to be honest. What it screams to me that the Tim Anderson price is way too high. 
Like there is no way you, you you get linked with Tim Anderson and then you pivot to Jake Berger. And it probably was like, oh, you know, hey, we'll give you Tim Anderson for this prospect. And then the White Sox was like, yeah, we're going to want more. And White Sox were like, hey, how about I won Jake Berger? And the Marlins was like, yes, screw it. Let's do it. Yeah. The the <laughs> the um the White Sox probably called up Miami and were like, hey, yeah, we uh or sorry, vice versa. Marlins probably called up the White Sox and said, Hey, we want TA. We want Tim Anderson. They're like, okay, give us Max Meyer. They're like, ah, what about this burger guy? He's having a career year. I, I like him. Yeah, sure. What about Jake Etter? Okay, sure. We'll give you him. I, I, I kind of like what the White Sox did. Not gonna lie. I like the return they got back for Giolito, and I like the return they got they got back for uh for Burger. So I, I'll make them a winner. Yeah, you know, I top thought... 10 guys from the Angel system. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and they still have, you know, they can still build around Robert and as and Cease as their franchise guys. So yeah, it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. They got Edward Carrero and Kai Bush from the Angels, two top ten prospects with them now in return for Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. Ronaldo Lopez is horrible, guys. By the way, I keep want to reiter- re- reiterating that. So yeah, the White Sox had a relatively weak farm system heading into the deadline. And all of a sudden, I, I kind of feel much better about them. They also traded Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly out to, to L.A., to the Dodgers for Trace hey, Thompson. What did we say? What did we say? Teams trade for familiar faces. Joe Kelly goes back to L.A. How many familiar faces trades did we see, too? Like I, I said it in the last pod, like a lot of times, a lot of teams, L.A., for example, that's a good fire. I think they were a loser. They went out and got Keith Hernandez. It was reunion out in L.A. Like, LA's has a pitcher's problem. They have no reliable starting pitching. And what do they do? They just get a landslide when you at least need two and you get rid of four. So it's just like addition by subtraction. But like yeah. we saw a lot of familiar trades. And I mean, for the White Sox to end the White Sox thing, I mean, decent. I can only imagine what the price was for Cease because I did hear the Orioles and the Dodgers were in for him. So I wonder what the Dodgers offered. I kind of feel like the Dodgers, after they did not get you right, it was like scramble mode. Because then I heard they went for Paxton. And that's why it kind of makes them losers to me. Like they didn't do enough to to fix the the starting pitching, but I kind of feel like there's no team in the NL that has a consistent three right now. The, the Braves don't have a three right now because they're hurt. I mean, Philadelphia's three is Walker, Nola, and a Wheeler, and Nola hasn't been that great. And then Walker's kind of like, you know, he's good, but, you know, he's not like a guy you're going to give the ball to and be like, hey, when is the game? And then what other team has a three that can do that? Maybe the freaking Diamondbacks may have the best one too right now, better than the, the Phillies. I don't know. Right I, up I continue to feel better about about the Phillies as as time passes. I I like the Lorenz move as a depth starting pitching option. Can be like your game four starter in the playoffs or reliever or long reliever. If you get oh, start getting pinata, you know you just yeah, you know stick them in there, get us some a couple innings, and maybe win a game. So yeah, I mean, I again going back to the White Sox. I think they I I compare their deadline like the poor man's Mets maybe like they didn't give up the star power that the Mets did but they they replenished a a what was a poor farm system and and now they're they're going to build that foundation and and they're going to admit that hey maybe we're going to have to start a rebuild here um and we have we ha- already have two guys that we can vote around in in um in Cease and Robert and you know the guys that we gave up, we didn't think they were going to be and part T. of the team. Yeah, T. still on the team. Yeah, T. A. still on the team, but he's a free agent, right? Yeah, I think he has an option. Cool. So we'll figure it out. What do you think about the Dodgers? Close the book on the Dodgers. Do you agree or? No, I mean, I think it makes sense. I, I 
The Lynn signing, again, he's been one of the worst starting pitchers in all of baseball this this offseason. Or sorry, this season. But I think what? His stuff did look good last night. I actually got to watch him a little bit. His stuff looks decent. The fastball had a lot of a lot of movement. And of course, like he's a breaking ball guy. His his sweeper slider had good run, good horizontal horizontal movement. So I mean, maybe they could tinker him, but I just feel they don't have enough. Yeah, and you know. They're probably one of those franchises that thinks that they can fix them up. By the way, Tim Anderson has a $14 million club option for next season. I don't think the White Sox are going to That pick. is not getting picked up. Yeah. Well, unless Reinsdorf's trying to sell seats. Yeah. And going back to the Dodgers, they also got Ahmed Rosario from the Guardians, who's been a below average shortstop for them as you know, just a filler basically helping Mookie not play as many in- innings in the, in the infield. Same with uh, the same reason they brought in Kike Hernandez. Uh, yeah, but no, yeah, I don't, they, I don't really they think got, they got better. They got, him, they got him because they killed lefties too. Their lefty lineup has been anemic and supposedly Rosario and Kike kill lefties. And like I said, you know, familiar faces and familiar places. Yeah. With, yeah. So, you know. I'm going to keep reiterating this. I, I've said it all season that, the Dodgers are all in on this offseason and, and next season to compete. They'll get Walker Bueller back, and and most importantly, they'll be in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes this offseason. I think they're they're going to sign him. So it just makes just makes sense this deadline to like kind of cautiously buy, make a you know decent move to go out and get Lance Lynn. And you, you know you're in first place. The Diamondbacks have been anemic in the second half. They're they're going to win the division. They're going to pull away from San Francisco as well. And just kind of see what happens in the playoffs this year and and take it into next year. I mean, we saw that they tried to tried to get Erod, which I, I would like that move as well. So I think they're just kind of like, well, we're going to cautiously buy this year, and then next year they're they're going to go gung ho and probably be you know the class of Major League Baseball if they get Otani. Hey, can I can I can I put a hypothetical going like let's flip over let's go over to the Orange County. We were we were in LA. Let's go to OC. Um, the Angels bought a lot, a lot, a lot. Yeah, like they actually went all in, and like this will lead us to San Diego because San Diego also bought a lot, a lot. Um, yeah, not a lot, a lot. They they bought yeah, they did they, they bought some relievers. They bought some first basemen. They 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 went shopping. More than the Yankees and a lot of teams you expected to. But my whole point about it is what if, you know, I mean, Giolito's a good piece to build around. Crone's a decent piece. Gritrick is a decent piece. What if they have some sort of assurances that Otani is staying? Because you don't buy, like, okay, unless, like, you know, you don't have them online. But what if, like, I was thinking, like, bro, you don't buy this much if you, like, like, hey, if it's me, I would go for it. But, like, you don't buy this much because if Otani leaves, you're basically screwed. You're basically ground zero, and you're done done for the next five. Yeah. What if what if we have some sort of, this is, the like, the recruitment process where they know that he's staying because you don't go out and buy this much. They've been buying since June with Escobar, which is very interesting. Very, very interesting. I, I like the move that they did, and they have quality ML beers. What if they're able to get rid of Rendon, and they, they just shift that Rendon money over to Otani? Yeah, I, I view it a little bit differently. I, I view it as a bit of like, you know, the last stand, like, you know, that we're they're at the Alamo right now, and, and they're, they're, they're making their last stand. They're throwing everything they can at the roster to try to 
try to make it this year, make it into the playoffs and, and, you know, try to keep Otani from there to show him that, Hey, you know, we have a good team. We can make the playoffs. We're a contender. I think the biggest issue with the angels, honestly, is just the injuries, you know, Trout's out, Redone's out. Those are, you know, two key, key, key players. Luckily, Otani has been able to stay healthy this season, but yeah, you go out and get in Giolito. He got pinata uh, today. Yeah. His first start in Toronto was okay, but you have up two top prospects for the for him and and Lopez from the White Sox. I like the Crone. The Crone and Gersick trade was 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 shrewd. I, I like that move a lot. I can't believe the price was so low for those those two guys. But Rocky, Rocky's got to get an F for the deadline, bro. Rocky stay getting, bro. Rocky stay getting like heat on, bro. Like. Yeah, and the thing with the Angels is they're three and a half back in the wild card still, so they're going to have to make up some ground here in the next two months. Uh, they got to get Trout back, and uh, I think they'll make it. <sighs> so who are they knocking out right now? Out of out of Tampa Bay, Houston, and Toronto, who currently occupy the wild card spots, who are they knocking out? I'm not a big fan of what Tampa, I'm not. Tampa didn't do much unless the Savali trade, which I'll just say, Aaron Savali is probably going to lead lead the MLB in spin rates by the end of August. But why, why did why did Tampa Bay give up a top what was he top thirty prospect in all of baseball? Bro, they love bro, they love themselves those those like ground ball pitchers and like those guys with breaking stuff. They just think they can just do some voodoo magic like they did Zach Eflin. I just don't enjoy what Tampa like. Tampa's all right. I feel like they could have used the bat, but like to just end the whole thing. I think the Angels are going to make it somehow or another. I just think it's just destiny. They're just going to. I mean, just. I hope you're right because I so desperately want to see Otani and Trout play in the playoffs. I hope you're right. Uh, Tampa Bay. I, think, I don't get. I, I don't get what Tampa Bay did. Sure, they got Savali. He's he's going to be a good arm to add to that rotation for the playoffs. But you give up Kyle Manzardo, who's a top thirty prospect in all of baseball, and you just let the rich get richer in Cleveland. Their, their farm system is stupid loaded. Well, I mean, that's what Cleveland does to trade them five years later, sort of like Oakland style, but. Uh... It's like um, my biggest thing is like I kind of feel the Angels are at the Alamo as well, and then the Padres are at the Alamo, and I enjoy AJ Preller. Look, as much heat as he get, I will be an AJ Preller defensively. We're starting the AJ Preller defensively. He is at the Alamo, and he's like, screw it, I'm holding on to everything, and I'm gonna go for it. I enjoy what he did with the pen, and I and I oddly like the the G Man Troy and Rich Hill trade. You do you like that trade? Rich Hill is uh Rich Hill, by the way, is becoming probably the best immaculate grid option you can have. And then G Man Troy is decent. So it's just like that you get a first baseman, you replace the Nelson Cruz bat with the G Man Troy, and then you get um Rich Hill to eat some innings, and then you get a reliever in Scott Barlow to eat innings because their pen sucks. So hey, they're at the Alamo. They're they also they also got Garrett Cooper. Okay, I want to say I think the Padres are going to make the playoffs. You you think the Angels are going to make the playoffs? I think the Padres are going to make the playoffs. I do too, but that's what I'm saying. They're at the Alamo as well. Like They're at the freaking Alamo as well, and that's what I enjoy. That's what Cashman should have done. Cashman should have done his own Alamo and just been like, fuck it, let's do it. The thing so. with the Padres is you know, they held on to Snell, right? And they also... Yeah, he he would have gotten such a huge return. Like It's not even funny. He's the best pitcher right now. He's probably the NL Cy Young candidate right now, leading. So they clearly think that they can make a run here. They're they're game under 500, four games back in the wild card as we sit here. I think they can make it. I think Milwaukee's going to fall off, and they already have been. I think Milwaukee's going to Milwaukee doing its typical veteran trades, bro. It would have been perfect. So Milwaukee, if they would have got Aaron McCutcheon, Andrew McCutcheon, we would have both laughed on this podcast. They were traded for Carlos Santana and Mark Canada. 
Like low key, I do see what they're doing, but it's just like you're just slapping journeyman veteran. Not journeyman veteran, but you're just slapping just quality MLB veterans to a team that this like desperately needs some type of juice. They need like another igniter. Yeah. They're putting I mean, they're putting they're putting the fixings, but they still need a little bit more meat pause. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I think they had a good deadline. They need a little more meat. Um what else what other teams? I mean, Braves are pretty quiet. Um, they just got a bunch of relievers, which God knows what will happen. Um, yeah, they didn't need to do anything. Blue Jays, Blue Jays, Blue Jays got DeJong and Hicks, so they were kind of a little bit shrewd under the radar. I think I, I like that Hicks move. I like what the Cardinals did in, in trading the guys that they needed to trade, but also holding on to Arenado and Goldschmidt because they think they, they're going to be able to contend next year. But they were able to get a return for the guys that they needed to move, in my opinion. I like what the Blue Jays did. They were very shrewd, let's put it that way. But ultimately, you think they're going to fall out of the playoffs because you think the Angels are going to make it? No, I think I think the Blue Jays. I think the Blue Jays are a sleeping giant. But hey, we'll see. So then, who, then who who's staying in? Or who's? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not inspired. I'm not inspired how Tampa's been playing for the past month and a half. Yeah, that's fair. They're Tampa, losing right now to the Yankees. Tampa nearly blew it last night. If it wasn't for Giancarlo Stanton batting ninth pinch hitting, who's a career sub 200 hitter pinch hitting, they would have lost last night. So yeah. hey. Yep. Um, final team we can talk about we haven't talked about is Arizona and hey, Seattle. What the Cubs? Oh, we'll get to the Cubs. Arizona and Seattle. I mean, Seattle traded Seawall. I mean, they have a riches in the bullpen. I do like what they got back in Josh Rojas, but I mean, it's just it's just like for like in a sense. I'm kind of disappointed in the Diamondbacks what they did. They need they, they needed to get a closer, and they got one. And Matt Brash will be the closer in Seattle moving forward, I think. Well, they have they have your boy Castillo, Diego Castillo, and um, Andres Munoz. Them, yeah, they, they have, have a loaded. They don't like they have an abundance of riches in the bullpen, so moving on from him makes sense. But yeah, the Diamondbacks have been so bad in the second half that I I just I'm kind of out on them. They're young. They, they still did, have a really good farm. They probably just did a Reds. Them and the Reds were just kind of like cool. The prices are way too high. Why just blow it this year and just you know blow the longevity this year? Exactly. Cubs, I mean, Strowman's on the block. Don't leak the score because I'm about to watch the game after we finish this. All right, I was um, just checking it. Uh Bellinger's ridiculous right now. Beyond ridiculous. I need and- to see Bellinger in the playoffs this year, man. He's so electric. He's so fun when he's good. And what a deal for the Cubs. I think he stays in Chicago. Chicago will pony up the money this offseason to keep him. Hundred percent. I think I think Strowman and uh, Bellinger stay in Chicago this year. And Chicago's building something, man. Chicago's building something. Pete Crow I mean, coming that's up we, soon. That's what we said in the offseason. We said either Chicago ends up being eighty, like they could be really, really, they could be decent team. And I told you they could be that Bowie team for everybody's Bowie team. They're like nah, nah, nah. And I'm like, yeah, they they're they're playing pretty good ball, and like we'll see what happens. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of ball left. They bought Heimer. I mean, they'll definitely be really, really big spenders in the offseason because it's Chicago, and they're not too many pieces away. They're just like they do have regression candidates. Yeah. But, you know, they're a couple they, arms away. A couple arms away, maybe one or two hitters. They got to retain Ian Happ. They, they can be there next year or, or the year after. I like them. I worry about – now, they didn't give up a ton at the deadline to get Condelario, so, you know, that's fine in that sense. Um, but – 
I worry about them buying off the back of a six game winning streak when they're still three games out of the wild card. They, it looked like they were done and dusted two weeks ago. That's, that's what they did. They bought up. They bought because they got hot. And like I said, I said the central was going to be one of those divisions that, you know, whoever gets hot and it would be so NL central like that. Hey, one team just gets really hot and starts buying. And even you said it, bro. I fucking think the Cubs verbatim think, bro, the Cubs aren't fucking selling. The Cubs aren't freaking selling. And then look, it was Saturday where they said, oh, we're not selling. We've closed shop down. We're instead going to buy. And that that screwed the market because Bellinger was probably going to be the top bat on the market. Dude's been really good this year. Yeah, dude, dude's electric. He's back to MVP form. I think the Dodgers are kicking themselves because I think they would have loved having him in center. Yep. And just want to say, James V. Swanson contract through year one. It's a long contract, but through year one, it's looking good. I mean, yeah, he had two homers. I mean... He must be up at three in the morning watching these games, but you know, hey, <laughs> the World Cup games, yeah. That's it. Any I mean, closing remarks? You got anything to say? Anything? Anything else for the night? That was a fun one. Uh, I think we covered it all. We can cover whatever we missed and and the 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 remaining uh, the fallout of the trade deadline in, in the coming podcast and kind of talking about the new places and new or new faces and new places in the coming weeks and you know looking back on the deadline uh, with a little bit more perspective here as we move forward, but we got some good pennant races going on. we got some good division races. Wildcard races are going to be heating up, man. It's, it's the dog days, but I mean, we're getting to, to some really important baseball here. Well, we got a lot of injuries too. So yeah, that's always part of it, but uh, got anything else? No, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, pretty disappointed with some teams have said what I've said. Um, I got nothing else. I mean, I'm just enjoying to see how it shapes out. Yep. Always fun covering the trade deadline. Um, And, you know, we hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. We will be back next week for another podcast. Thank you for listening to this one. If you haven't already, go check out the Taylor Swift Bracket podcast as well. That was a fun one to make. Uh, And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.